0: So you've heard that um, we need to be thinking, I'm going to move this right up here, Uh, you've heard that we need to be thinking about blended families, Uh, you've heard that we need to understand how millennials think uh, about marriage, you've heard that cohabitation is a serious issue that we need to understand and we need to address. Uh, Another issue, we wanted to give this a big massive session, we're going to give it a few minutes here uh, before lunch, uh, that we think you really need to understand is kind of what's going on in the culture in regards to sexuality and how the church isn't um, always kind of on the forefront of that, how we've been a little bit um, of kind of laggards uh, in this area, and kind of what you need to know with some things you, can, uh, things you can do. And so uh, really one of the best people, and I, I don't know who else we would get, um, to have this conversation that would be better. Uh, but Shannon Etheridge um, is becoming a friend of ours and is uh, able to be with us. And we're really, uh, really excited. And so we got to meet Shannon uh, last year as a team. And I remember we were supposed to talk about like sex stuff. We ended up talking about marriage and family and just <laughs> our own personal lives. We were really encouraged by the way Shannon always speaks uh, so highly of her husband. Um, and so that, that's the thing that marks her. And yeah, by the way, she's written like a gazillion books, uh, a lot of them uh, on sex. And she knows what she's talking about. Um, But her family, I think, is always most important. And you had an anniversary. We did.
1: We had our very special 25th wedding anniversary on Tuesday. Yeah. And my husband informed me, it doesn't feel like it's been 25 years. It feels more like 10 minutes underwater. Uh. (laughs) And I know that feeling.
0: (laughs) Well, he he was here yesterday with us, and uh, it was really, really fun to meet him. So, uh, Shannon, I know you think a lot about sex. um, Kind of, I could (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, one time they asked ahead, my husband, somebody asked my husband at church one time, so what is it like being married to the church or to the sex lady? And he said, well, it's better than being married to the no sex lady. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good response.
0: Just a pro tip. When you talk about marriage, okay, if you pause for any of that stuff, uh, there are, everything is, is a sexual innuendo. Everything, okay? And if you pause, the crowd will always giggle. Now, sometimes that's, that's like, helpful. Uh, you want that. And other times you just got to keep moving. Otherwise, it'll turn into, like, you know, a junior high classroom the whole the whole time. And so just uh, I paused and you, uh, you did what I thought you would do. Uh, but a lot of times I'll just put my head down and go, we don't have time have to sit here and crack jokes online, okay? So, Shannon, I know one of, the, one of the things that you, um, you know, you write and think... You, You've kind of noticed a pattern uh, about people and the way they kind of think about sex and respond sexually. Uh, respond to kind of all things uh, sexual. You want to kind of talk about that and some of the things you've noticed there?
1: Yeah. For a long time, I had been wanting to write a book about sexual fantasy. And when the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon hit our culture like a tidal wave a few years ago, I knew that the time to write a book on sexual fantasy was now, not Sunday. So I wrote The Fantasy Fallacy about ex- exposing the deeper meaning behind our sexual thoughts and fantasies. And what I realized through my research is that sexual fantasies are really just the brain's way of trying to heal itself from past trauma. And so when you have couples in your church who are doing some pretty crazy things acting out, or when you have one one of the members of the couple who is acting out and doing some crazy things oftentimes it 's directly rooted to some sort of unresolved emotional pain or trauma from their life, and helping them heal that pain is going to help them heal their sexuality and their marriage as a result
0: okay so I know um, you talk about how people sometimes will go like too far to the left or too far to the right they 'll either be um, they'll either act out or they are kind of repressed and don't. You want to talk us through those, those two yeah. groups? Yeah.
1: What I have noticed through all of my years of coaching and writing and speaking is that there seems to be a, pen, a pendulum swing, a sexuality pendulum swing, where people would either act out, uh, swing way too far to the left, do things that they never in a million years thought they would do, or they'll swing too far to the right. They'll shut down sexually. It's like they try to find that switch that they can just... flip off and and just try to shut themselves down. But when they shut themselves down, sexually they shut themselves down from healthy sexual intimacy as well. And so some people throughout their lifetime We'll swing back and forth numerous times. Some people swing in one direction or the other and stay there. But what God wants for us is a healthy sexual balance in the middle where we're very interested and motivated sex partners, but only with our spouse. And it's oftentimes, again, helping them heal some of those traumas that causes them to swing too far to the left or to the right.
0: Yeah. you want to talk about that? So any, anything yeah. else just to help us understand why someone would be too far or too— like how do they get there right. and how we could kind of even well, not be there?
1: John, this was my journey. Um, at 27 years old, I went running into into counseling, went through six months of intense group and individual counseling right here in Dallas. Because even though I had put this wedding band on my finger thinking it would change everything about me, I realized the only thing it changed was my last name. And I still had a boatload of sexual and emotional baggage from my teenage years. From the time I was 15 until 20 years old, my life had just been one sexual partner after another. But I had never really understood why. And so you can't really take a thought captive and make it obedient to Christ until you really understand the root of that thought. So I wanted to know, why am I still tempted to act out of my marriage? And I knew that I was, you know, I had a lot at stake. Um, You know, we had two very young children, and I did not want to be unfaithful. I was a youth pastor. I didn't want to jeopardize my ministry. But I couldn't deny that that temptation was still very much a part of my everyday world. And so one of the first questions my counselor asked is, Tell me about your relationship with your dad, and I winced. I literally didn't want to go there, but I knew that that was exactly the place where I needed to go. And one of the most helpful tools that she used, John, that I use as a coach today, and that I encourage counselors and and you know ministry leaders to use, she had me create a sexual history worksheet where I literally made a list of every inappropriate encounter I had ever that I had ever had that I could recall, and we looked at the dynamics of who were these people, and was there an age spread, and what was the role that they played in my life, and what was the perceived payoff, and as I created this literal Excel spreadsheet and looked at all these details, I couldn't deny that there was a golden thread that ran among all of these men, and it was that each one of them was significantly older than me and in some form of authority over me, and that told me that I had been looking for that father figure to medicate the pain of having a very disconnected relationship with my earthly father, and it went And even back further than that, when I was four, I had an eight-year-old sister who died very suddenly of an aneurysm. So not only did I lose my sister, my brother and my dad just emotionally shut down, and my mom became a walking zombie for many years. And so I even had to rewind the tape to that season of my life and heal those wounds. And here's what I've learned, is that you don't heal a wound by ignoring it. You have to feel it to heal it. And so I had to go through a grief process in my late 20s about a death that I had experienced 23 years prior. But it worked. It set me free from those temptations that don't plague me anymore. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's how we were able to get to our 25th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smiling.
0: Yeah. And so there's lots of different ways. I think, you know, if, you, if you're interested in some of those resources, you can, you can kind of reach out to Shannon on her site. She's got uh, lots of different things there. Uh, you know, in recovery, a lot of times there's an inventory. Uh, That you'll go through, but just helping people just kind of think through and just you know sit uh, sit with why they are the way they are. Some of the uh, the trauma you've talked a lot about trauma, emotional pain, those kind of things. Are there kind of common threads uh, throughout there? And so any any time you can have someone go back and look at high and low points and any kind of commonalities in there, we'll use life maps. Uh, Some of that sounded like uh, like that, Shannon. Uh, You'll be you'll be shocked. And how people will just, like, um, things will pop off the page. Adam, I, I had no idea, but now that I think about all these times that I feel like, uh, man, I've just, there's been deep joy there, or there's been deep pain. Uh, there, there's all these, these threads there. And I think a lot of times that's a really helpful way uh, just to kind of walk with folks. So um, do, do you have something else right there?
1: Yeah, um, in addition to swinging too far to the left, obviously some people swing too far to the right. They shut down sexually in their marriage and they're confused and bewildered as to why. And as a matter of fact, after I wrote The Fantasy Fallacy, I heard from a guy I went to high school with and he said, Shannon, as a result of reading the book and understanding that sexual fantasies are really just our brain's way of trying to heal itself from past trauma, he said, I asked myself, What are the most traumatic experiences that have happened in my life, and is there any connection between those and the fact that he had been married 25 years, and he said sexuality became an issue in our marriage year one when my wife walked in and caught me looking at pornography and masturbating, and he said, I have questioned myself for 25 years, why would I prefer a magazine or a computer and myself over this beautiful woman who really wanted a sexual relationship with him? And what he recognized just in looking at the the previous traumas from his life is that in high school, he had been pursued by three different men inappropriately, uh, a teacher, a a youth pastor, and uh, a coach, I think. And he said that every time that those situations arise, he would just feel these red flags in his spirit that said, run. And so that's what he did, is he ran. But he also remembered that the most recent episode was at a youth lock-in, and when the, the youth pastor had reached into his sleeping bag, uh, and he freaked out, and, and you know, something told him to run, and he got on his bicycle, and he rode home as fast as he could at four in the morning, but he left his three best friends in that gymnasium. And he said, I've always wondered, did he just move on to one of them as their next as his next target? And he felt like a big coward. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of being a coward had followed him around all of his life, like bubblegum stuck to his shoe. And he realized that he was literally afraid of human intimacy. And so he had been running from real life intimacy all of his life, starting very early in his teen years. Yep. But helping him heal that wound, he said, I'm dedicated to get myself into counseling. And he said, for the first time in 25 years, I have hope that we're about to have a big breakthrough and we'll be able to connect sexually the way that my wife deserves, That's and the good. way that he deserves as well.
0: Yeah, you know, and so, God, here's a hundred thoughts I have right now. Uh, one <laughs> of them is that this stuff is a lot more complex um, then, you know, guys are a bunch of perverts and all they want to look, do is look, you know, they want to have sex 24-7 and also look at porn, right? And so sometimes the way we communicate from up here, that's how, that's how we communicate. And just, there's a whole lot of a lot more complexity uh, to it. And even like, who's got the higher sex drive, that's a common, you you have. And and it's not just a
1: man's, you know, the the whole thing of, oh, well, pornography and sexually acting out and addictions, that's a man's battle. No, I wrote the Every Woman's Battle series and I interviewed lots of women. It's not just a man's battle, it's a woman's battle too. The reality is, is that both the male and the female brain are created with four different pleasure centers. We naturally gravitate back toward food, drink, sleep, and sex. And so that's, when we're in a lot of emotional pain, that's why we have a tendency to overeat or oversleep and get depressed or turn to alcohol or drugs and often sex or porn. Some, some type of numbing activity is what we often turn to. And John, this is the story that I like to, to tell to just awaken people to how you, you, I love how what you just said, that it's not that that people are perverts or they're sick or they're twisted or demented. No, it's that they're acting out sexually to try to medicate a pain. The story that I tell is that if you were to pick up the newspaper in Dallas, Texas this morning and you saw a headline that read that there was a guy right here in the Lake Highlands area that's been found to have all these people bound and gagged in the basement of his home. Well, the police would do some investigation to find out who are these people? Why did he choose these particular people, and why does he have them bound and gagged in the basement? And what they found out is that these were actually his wisest teachers through life, junior high, high school, college. So of course you would wonder, why would he have his wisest teachers bound and gagged in the basement? Why wouldn't he have them sitting in the living room at their feet gleaning all that he can from them? But isn't that what we do with our emotional pain? We stuff it in the basement of our souls we never invite it up, befriend it, and ask it, what are you here to teach me? Your fear, your anxiety, your insecurity, your anger, your sadness, all of those negative emotions are designed to teach us something and to guide us, but when we stuff it in the basement of our soul, it usually manifests itself in some sort of addiction, and sexual addiction is one of the most common.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, so one of the things you know uh, that came on us you know this year was Fifty Shades of Grey, and a question I've had from a lot of Christians is, uh, why Why is that so intriguing I mean, for, for both? So both in the church, like why are Christian women so drawn to that, as well as why are those who are not? Any thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I wrote a whole book, The Fantasy Fallacy in response that, yes. to it. but <laughs> just a couple of thoughts to share right now though. Number one, I think that there's just been such a lack of healthy information about especially female sexuality. It seems like male pastors have become very open in addressing male sexuality from the pulpit, but where's the female counterpart? So I think that there's just been a hunger among women to learn more about their sexuality but here's the thing women are raised with that common expression drilled into our brains good girls what good girls don't don't good girls don't, good girls don't. Well, remember, sexual fantasy is the brain's way of trying to heal itself from past trauma. And that good girls don't message was very traumatic to us for those of us who had a sex drive, who had hormones raging through us, who were tempted to act out, that we think we must be a bad girl. And so this phenomenon with Fifty Shades of Grey, it's really uh, appealing to women because of the common rape fantasy. Believe it or not, one of the most common fantasies among Christian women is to be raped. Now, it's not that they would ever actually want to be rape because no one in the world would ever actually want to experience that type of trauma. But here's the thing. Uh, if, if it's a rape situation, then you're not being a bad girl. You're just being a victim. And that's what the character in Fifty Shades of Grey is. She's a victim. She signed the agreement. She agreed not to tell anyone. She submits to all of this torture, et cetera, etc., et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And so I think that that's what is so alluring to women. But we have to wake up to the fact that we don't heal a past good girls don't trauma by having all these rape fantasies. We heal that by understanding that good girls do. We do it often. We do it well. It's called marriage. It's called sexual intimacy. This is something that we can celebrate and enjoy that. And just to completely um, indulge in healthy sexuality with no guilt, no shame, no inhibition, that's the antithesis to what's going on in our culture. That's, that's where we can heal and make our marriages even stronger.
0: Yeah. Any thoughts on the, those outside the church, why that's a, so intriguing. to I think that's pretty clear. I think it's a great way to think about why those in the church are um, kind of intrigued by that outside the church. I yeah. think
1: outside the church, there is so much. Well, I mean, there's pain in and outside the church. But outside the church, if they don't have God, the concept of a personal relationship with Jesus that can be so healing for them, then oftentimes what they do is they look to some sort of, you know, wild, distorted fantasy to either medicate or numb or, you know, it's, it's, it's an acting out. And so that creating pain with the BDSM fantasy, with bondage, domination, sadism, masochism. It's really just, if I can feel this physical pain, then I won't be in so much emotional pain. It's kind of like cutting, that I'm hurting so badly, I need to feel something, and pain seems like the appropriate thing to feel because I'm in pain on the inside. So I I just really pray that, that what happens as a result of this phenomenon is that more and more people will discover that the place to get healthy information about sex within marriage is the church. Not the movie theater, not secular uh, novels, but the church. Yeah. And so I really applaud all of you guys for coming to a conference like this to try to learn what can we do to help marriages. Bravo. Thanks for coming.
0: Yeah. So that idea of the university, like what, what, if, what if your church was perceived as a place where if you wanted to have a healthy sex life, you'd go there. What? Right? <laughs> Attendance rates skyrocket. Um,
1: Men are like, sign me up. But here's
0: when you do talk about this. Just a couple thoughts, and ch- chime in after after this. Um, just how the church can can help, how the church can a- address all things sexuality. Man, don't don't cheapen it, right? Don't don't. I, I don't know what it would be. Fifty Shades of Awesome. You know, let's get it hot all up in here, or something like. You know, just just some of those. <laughs> Uh, and, and some of that's fine, I guess, but just don't don't be gimmicky, you know. Um, I don't think we have to be gimmicky in here. Now we can be relevant and things like that, but let's, you know, let's, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. Can get To so help people could, get well, beyond
1: the gimmicky and to understand what's really happening in our culture, we created a free resource that's available at shannonetheridge.com. One of the banner images is how do we respond to this Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, there's a complete synopsis about the trilogy so that you can kind of understand what the hubbub is about without actually reading or watching the movie. And there's also some questions for discussion so that you can dialogue with people in your church without feeling stupid because you really don't know what it's about. Um, it, it just We need... Need to be talking about it. I promise there are lots and lots of people in your churches that have read the books, that have watched the movies, that need some guidance. Um, I'm hearing more and more, uh, you know, they say that there are lots of Fifty Shades of Grey babies, uh, but there's also a lot of Fifty Shades of Grey divorces, that there are women who developed expectations of their husband as a result of reading these books and watching these movies, that if he's not willing to fulfill, she gets upset and exits the marriage. And so, We need to be dialoguing about this in the church, so hopefully that free resource guide will help. And also consider that if the church will put its neck on this chopping block and talk about all things sexual, all things sexual, when you think about what all is happening in our culture, how often there is uh, sexual acting out, pornography addictions, sexual harassment in the workplace, incest, molestation, rape, I mean the list could go on and on and on about the numerous sexual ills in our society, but if the church were a healing place to help people understand what is the real root of the fantasies that I have in my head or how can I help other people understand the real root of the fantasies in their head rather than acting it out and creating fruit from those fantasies that if we can help these individuals heal think of what a safer place the world would be in order to raise children if so many of these ills were no longer issues because people knew how to harness their sexual energies and channel them completely into the marriage bed where they belong
0: Yeah, that whole idea of dominoes. If we can get this right repeatedly, okay? um, Really amazing things would happen, not just in our own marriages, but really uh, in society. And if we had something to say at Starbucks when this uh, conversation came up, okay? So just make sure you address it. I would always encourage you, if you can also have a woman's perspective as you uh, deliver uh, content around this. I mean, so every time we talk about sex, or I mean, I'd say 95% of it, Pam is always with me. And we always just talk and, you know, she's, she hasn't written any books, but she can talk about her experience, acknowledge that there's other experiences and things like that, and give, um, and just kind of validate the different ways that women think about it. And they go, great, this is, this is something we can talk about in the church. And you always just acknowledge there's a lot of complexity, a lot of pain, and this is a safe place. Like, no, we don't want you to make the first call outside the church, okay? Well, could counselors come to bear? You yeah, know, maybe, but let's... Let's, let's deal with this first here as a church. Let the church be the church. Yeah. And let's see what we can do. Let's see what other resources we've got. You know, we've got ministries at Watermark for uh, those who have kind of under, you know, been through some kind of type of sexual trauma or abuse and things like that. Let's, let's let the church be the church. Let's, let's bring everything out, in the, everything out into the light in the community. Give wise counsel. See God. And if we need some other help, great, we'll, we'll do that. But we're not. Let's don't create this place where people can't come forward and the only safe place is someone that they have to pay a hundred dollars an hour uh, to i just ah oh, that's so backwards now we might pull those people in later but let's let the church be the church and create the kind of place where people would go this is the first place i would think to bring up this issue uh is the church okay you guys have a lot to do uh, with how you architect that so if i'm you okay um i'm kind of overwhelmed I got a, I've got 10 open loops, and not, you know, none of them closed, and that, I'm okay. I'm okay <laughs> with that. That This just raised some of these issues. Shannon will have a breakout uh, today, and all the other people that you just heard from, uh, they will be at lunch. Lance will talk you through that uh, lunch, but rather than a panel discussion, we'll let you just kind of go to them uh, directly with any of those questions, okay? So Shannon will have a breakout. You can follow her on her blog, but I would, you know, if you're thinking about just kind of your um, developmental plan and trying to uh, content... Um, kind of consumption and and, and uh, shoring up some of your skills. Make sure you think about sex and sexuality and how the culture is thinking about it because this is a really really big deal. And I think you've got it. Any, anytime something is, uh, is a big deal and hairy, it's an incredible opportunity for the church. And I think Yeah, and make
1: sure that women hear a female voice speaking to yep. them. It's one thing when women hear men talking about how there should be more sex in marriage, but women need to hear that from women. And we're wounded in relationship, therefore we're healed in relationship, and women really—and y'all y'all's heads are nodding. I love it. Yeah. Women need to be reaching out to women to help them break free from the hurdles that have been holding them back in the bedroom for far too long. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, if you would, thanks, Shannon Etheridge, with me real quick.